Welcome to the Danny Picard Show, Monday, January 28th, 2019. Broadcasting from the Beantown USA studio. Beantown USA is Boston's home for customized screen printing and embroidery. Get more information on their website, beantownusa.com. It is Super Bowl week, and tonight is opening night at the Super Bowl. And on today's show, I will share some thoughts on Super Bowl 53 I will also react to the breaking news today that Anthony Davis has requested a trade from the New Orleans Pelicans. So we're not just going to do football this week. We actually are going to do some other stuff because this is a pretty big NBA storyline. Anthony Davis requests a trade from the Pelicans. Will the Celtics be involved? Can they be involved? And if they're involved, when will they be involved? We'll get to all of that. And then I'll close out the show with my reaction to the Royal Rumble. It was last night on Sunday night. Uh, We did not see Kenny Omega. I was hoping that Kenny Omega would make his WWE debut. We did not see him. It was a five-hour show. Actually, it was a seven-hour show if you include the kickoff show, the two-hour kickoff show that began at 5 o'clock. This thing ended at midnight, and that was a little too long for me. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I was falling asleep uh, during the men's Royal Rumble match, which is what they ended the show with, but... Uh, we now begin the road to WrestleMania, which is the best time of year for wrestling fans. And WrestleMania is at MetLife Stadium in New Jersey this year. I believe I'm going to that. I'm not sure. I believe I'm going. Uh, I'm not going to Atlanta for the Super Bowl. I'm not going to Atlanta for the Super Bowl, but I think I am going to WrestleMania uh, as, as a fan. Going to WrestleMania as a fan. And WrestleMania is the Super Bowl for the WWE, and right now we're on the road to WrestleMania, and this is a big time of year for wrestling fans. But speaking of the Super Bowl, how would you and a friend like to go to the big game on Sunday, February 3rd in Atlanta? Well, thanks to BetOnline.ag, the exclusive partner of Podcast One Sportsnet, we're giving away a once-in-a-lifetime all expenses paid for trip to that big game. The lucky winner will receive two tickets to the game, two round-trip flights, a hotel room, and two passes to a VIP tailgate party. How do you enter? It's simple. Go to betonline.ag, sign up for a BetOnline account using the promo code BIGGAME. That's promo code BIGGAME at betonline.ag, and that's how you enter the contest. It's easy. The Patriots versus the Rams, a rematch of the big game from back in 2002. That is when the Patriots dynasty began. I don't think the Patriots dynasty is going to be ending, much like a lot of people in the national media and some local media here in New England would like it to. I don't think the dynasty is ending, but the dynasty began in 2002 at that big game. Patriots-Rams, this is a rematch of that. Who wouldn't want to be in attendance for it? The contest ends on January 28th, which is today. So this is the last day. You can go to betonline.ag. And they get the golden ticket, or should I say golden tickets, because this is a prize for two. Again, two tickets to the big game, two round-trip flights, a hotel room, and two passes to a VIP tailgate party. Bet on yourself today at betonline.ag. And again, the promo code is Big Game. Today's show is also presented by DraftKings. Play for free at DraftKings.com or on the DraftKings app by using promo code PICK. P-I-C, that's promo code PICK, P 
P-I-C at DraftKings.com. Today's show also presented by IV League Hydration. Look better, feel better, and perform better by jumping on the IV. That's right, the IV. And they're right here in Boston. It's not just for hangovers. I know I, I tell you, it, you know, you can get help with a hangover with this. You can, but it's not just for hangovers. IV League Hydration can help you with cold and flu symptoms, jet lag before a big meeting, or even your athletic performance. I know many pro athletes who use IV hydration as part of their normal routine to perform at the highest level. Ivy League hydration has a new store in Southie, or here's the best part. They can come to you. You don't have to go to them. They'll come to you. So check out their website, ivleaguehydrate.com. That's ivleaguehydrate.com to see all the different IV hydration packages that they offer. Or you can give them a call at 1-800-905-4252. That's 1-800-905-4252. Look better, feel better, and of course, perform better with IV League hydration welcome to the show on this monday january 28th i told you i watched the royal rumble on sunday night but look i'll close out the show with that this is super bowl week and even with a huge story in the nba it's super bowl week so i gotta open with nfl i told you i'm not going to atlanta I would like to go to atlanta i'd like to go to the super bowl not really to watch the game because i always tell you I would prefer to watch an NFL game, especially one that the Patriots are in, and especially a big game that the Patriots are in. I'd like to watch that game. I'd prefer to watch that game on TV. Football is tough to watch in person. It is. It really is tough to watch in person. It's a lot better on TV. You talk about, you know, first downs, um, you know, just looking at personnel. I just, I enjoy watching a big football game, especially one that the Patriots are in, on TV. Now, that's not to say if somebody gave me Super Bowl tickets, I wouldn't go. If somebody told me that I'd have a media pass where I'd actually have a decent seat to watch the game. See, a lot of times someone like me, even if I got a media pass for a game like this, I wouldn't have a great seat. Like for the World Series, I had a media pass in Los Angeles. And, you know, luckily we ended up, I ended up getting tickets with some friends before I was told I was I got okayed for a media pass. We bought tickets. Luckily, I did that because my media pass, my media seat at the World Series, they give them out to so many people. I would have been stuck in a room in the back of the media room having to watch the World Series on TV. And it's like I didn't fly all the way to Los Angeles to watch the fucking World Series on a television screen next to all these other media members. Like, I just didn't do that. So, luckily, I had bought tickets. Now, the media pass was good to get on the field. I recorded a podcast uh, from Dodger Stadium on the field before one of those World Series games. But, um, you know, I think baseball... Yeah, baseball is different. Like, I really enjoy watching baseball in person. I actually would prefer to watch baseball in person. The NFL, football, the Super Bowl, I prefer to watch football on TV. I do. And even if I did have a media pass for the Super Bowl, who I I might have to I might actually have to watch it on TV, but like it's one of those things you don't you don't make that trip. If you're going to make that trip, well, you might as well watch it in person. But but if 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 I did go to Atlanta, the only reason I really would want to go to Atlanta is to participate in Radio Row and have my show part of Radio Row, you know, record all these podcasts because you know, I'm part of Podcast One and that sports network now. And not they don't just have sports shows. But, I, you know, I wasn't told that they were going to the Super Bowl. I've been 
I I was emailing, uh, you know, the folks at Podcast One to get on this Super Bowl Radio Row stuff for four or five months ago, and you know, I they're not sending me. Nobody sending me. Um, I don't have a spot on Radio Row, so why why am I going to make the trip? I'm not going to make the trip. Because if I ideally, if I did go to Atlanta, I would only want to do Radio Row, and preferably I'd fly back on Saturday and watch the game back here at home with other Patriots fans on TV, which is where I like watching football games anyways, on TV. So uh, if I did go to Atlanta, it would be for Radio Row purposes, but I do not have a spot. If Podcast One has a spot, then that's news to me, something they have not told me. Um, and if they have a spot and they're not telling me, that, that's pretty messed up because I am their only Boston person on the on the in the network especially one that covers sports and I, I mean I, I hope that they don't have a spot and that they're not telling me I that would be that would be crazy but um I'm not going to Atlanta as of right now at least so I'll be watching it here from here in New England just like just like all of you or most of you uh but what we did do over the weekend, this past weekend, even though we didn't have any football, I didn't watch the Pro Bowl. No Pro Bowl. I didn't watch a sec. I couldn't tell you the last time I watched the second of the Pro Bowl game. Couldn't tell you. Really couldn't tell you. Uh, so over the weekend, in this studio, I was joined by comedian Will Noonan. And on my YouTube channel, we did a live stream of the Super Bowl on Madden 19 on the Xbox One. And it literally is like a two and a half hour stream because we simulated the game. We didn't play the game. We simulated it. And you can, there's a little camera showing us watching it. You can hear us. The audio wasn't great, but it was my first live stream. Uh, I'm going to try to fix some of the live stream audio issues. I mean, you, if you really do want to watch it, you could still watch it. It's not like it would prevent you from watching it. But it, the audio's not great. Uh, but the live stream, the simulation. You can go watch it on my YouTube channel. Subscribe right now, youtube.com slash Danny Picard. There's a result to this game that Patriots fans might want to see on, on a live stream. Now, EA Sports today, they have come out with their own live stream result. And my live stream simulation result was different than their simulation. So EA Sports is saying that the Rams won the Super Bowl based on their simulation. My simulation was different. So check out my simulation. It's the, we're calling it the official Super Bowl simulation presented by Pick Up Your Sticks on my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Danny Picard. So that's what we did over the weekend uh, in real life, <laughs> outside of the video game simulation life. The Patriots and the Rams, they are in Atlanta. They arrived in Atlanta over the weekend on Sunday. Patriots had their little send-off rally. And after this send-off rally with the Patriots, you know, like, hey, look, the Patriots are calling themselves the underdog, even though, in fact, they are a two-and-a-half-point favorite in this Super Bowl. The Rams in Vegas are actually the dog, okay? And, um, you know, based on the way the Patriots have been playing and based on the way the Rams have been playing, you can understand why the Patriots would be a two-and-a-half-point favorite in this game. I can understand it. You should be able to understand it. What the national media cannot understand is how the Patriots can convince themselves that they're actually the underdogs in this game. They can't understand it. So much so that, you know, there's a new national media member that's jumping on Twitter every day, it seems, to spew some nonsense and garbage about how 
everybody always has believed in the Patriots. Everybody knew the Patriots would be here in Super Bowl 53, playing the way they're playing. Everybody thought this was possible, and actually not just was possible, but was going to happen. Who didn't think this would happen? How could you possibly call yourself the underdog if we all thought you would be here in this game right now? And the latest, and I tweeted it out over the weekend, Jameel Hill is the latest, and here's the deal. All that all these people want to do is they want to be in the news. They want to stay relevant. Is Jamila Hill relevant? Was she relevant to anybody before she starts tweeting about the Patriots and the whole underdog thing? I mean, she's a little late on it, but she knows it's going to fire us up. You know, and I'm guilty to giving her the attention that she wants. I'm guilty of that. I tweeted out and I said, you know, I responded to her tweet by quoting her tweet and tweeting above it saying, you literally sat next to Seth Wickersham last January before last year's playoffs. You literally sat next to Seth Wickersham last January on ESPN discussing the demise of the Patriots and their dynasty. Discussing the downfall and how the dynasty was dead and that Belichick, Brady, Kraft, you know, the big three in New England, how it was all falling apart from within. And that there was a palpable sense in the room last year was going to be the last year because they couldn't stand each other. They disagreed about every decision. Brady had enough. Jameel Hill sat there next to that boob, Seth Wickersham, and discussed how the Patriots dynasty was coming to an end. And yet here she is now, a week before Super Bowl 53, a year later, the Patriots' third straight Super Bowl, and she's like, how could anybody? Oh, yeah, how could the Patriots call themselves the underdog? That's corny. That's what she said. That's corny. Right. I mean, it's fairly obvious that if you have been just paying any attention to what everybody around the country has been saying about the Patriots over the last couple of years, I mean, you could go back to Deflategate, right? If anybody's been paying attention, over the last two or three years to what's been said about the Patriots, it shouldn't be that difficult to comprehend how Tom Brady and Bill Belichick could rally the troops and create this underdog mentality. And I say create, and create is a strong word because, again, you know how I feel about it. I I think that, all right, at this point, right? like if you're talking about right now, like if you hadn't watched, if you hadn't been paying attention to any NFL storylines, and you started paying attention to NFL storylines, let's say, um, I don't know, during the fourth quarter of the Patriots-Chiefs game in the AFC Championship last week. That's when you started paying attention to it. And you're like, oh, wow, Patriots, it's a nice finish on the road. They look like a good team. Oh, I look back at their schedule. Wow, they wh- wow, they whooped the Chargers. Huh? Chargers are pretty good. Uh, wow, they won their last couple games. Now, the Rams, they shouldn't even be in this game. The refs put the Rams in this game by not calling that pass in a field's call, interference call in New Orleans. Now, the Rams, they looked, they looked bad in the first half against the Saints. Goff looked like he turned into a puddle. Gurley couldn't catch a pass. He got benched. The coach didn't look like McVay didn't look like he had his team prepared for crowd noise. Wow, the Patriots are the favorite. How are they going to call themselves the underdogs in this? Like, I could see that if you just started paying attention to the NFL two weeks ago, last week. Fine, I could understand it. But 
Jameel Hill and all these other national media members, like, they didn't just stop paying attention last week. They've been paying attention the whole fucking time. And and I there's a lot of these people that I don't actually think they believe when they say the Patriots manufacture this underdog stuff and it's stupid and it makes no sense. They don't actually believe that. There's a couple things at play here. They want to be relevant. They want to be in the news. They want to get retweeted. Okay? They want to, they they want people who have a large social media audience who have a lot of followers to retweet them or respond to them and they want to be involved in these little fake controversies because it keeps them relevant uh you know that what what's the world these days what like what are we doing on social media what is the, the use of social media is simple it's the it's promotion it's self promotion that's all really that's all social media is but in 2019 it's not just self promotion like hey i did something good or hey i have something good to say that might change the world or, or, or do something positive in this world. Why don't you retweet it and maybe help me, help me promote this positive take or this positive thought or something uh, you know, that is going to benefit society and maybe even you know, entertain somebody to the point where it won't make them mad. That, that's not what social media in 2019 is. Social media is, hey, I'm, I'm going to promote and here's how I'm going to do it. I'm going to piss everybody off so that they have no choice they can't ignore me anymore. They won't ignore me because everybody on social media is just so mad and sensitive about everything. So once I tweet out a controversial take, opinion, or, or anything that I do that might be somewhat negative or controversial, I'm going to be in the news. I'm going to be relevant. They're going to retweet me. That's all anything is. It's politics. It's sports. It's entertainment. If you have something controversial to say and you think people are going to disagree with you, all you do is tweet it out, and all of a sudden, you're a top story. Someone like Jameel Hill, who's so irrelevant, it's not even funny in the world of sports, since she got booted off of the 6 o'clock sports center because her show sucked, she all of a sudden wants to be relevant. That's all this is. That's all this is. You know, it's, going, it's working for her. She got me to retweet it. I'm guilty. I'm, I'm guilty of reacting in a negative way. Look, I'm starting this show. Come on. So in a way, she's actually, yeah. I, I don't, I don't even necessarily know that I'm blaming her more than I just blame, blame the system of it all, <laughs> right? Like, like that she's doing something because it's gonna work, and that's just the way it works right now. But you know, when you step out of that world, and you you deal in reality, reality is, the Patriots have been disrespected by a lot of people the last couple of years. Tom Brady has been disrespected by a lot of people. You know, Bill Belichick, I'm sure, goes back into the archives when he's looking for bulletin board material. He pulls his stuff out and and reminds them of what so-and-so said, right? And and says, here's what we're going to use. Here's bulletin board material. Patriots is uh, uh, some of the best at utilizing and using bulletin board material to their advantage. And they're doing it right now. Of course the Patriots are playing great football. Of course they should be the favorite in this game against the Rams. But the Patriots have already committed to the underdog role and the underdog card, and they did so, and it makes sense that they would do so because they have been the underdog. People have ruled them out. People have said they suck. People have said that Dynasty is done. People have said that Tom Brady's too old. People wanted Jimmy Garoppolo to be the Patriots quarterback right now. And if that were the case, the Patriots wouldn't be in the Super Bowl. So don't try to tell me 
with a realistic take on anything that has to do with the National Football League. Don't try to tell me that the Patriots are corny for, for committing to the underdog card because there's no need for them to do it. They're manufacturing this. They've created it. It's a false narrative. No, it's not a false narrative. Sure, in this specific game, being a two-and-a-half-point favorite, given the way both teams have looked the last couple weeks, okay, fine, fine. But the Patriots have obviously taken a bigger-picture approach to that underdog card. If you want to listen and you want to understand and you want to use your brain, they, the Patriots have every right in the world to go into the Super Bowl thinking that nobody thought they would be here. Because nobody did. So, it's a couple things. People want to just be in the news and be relevant. The other thing is people are just mad that they were wrong. You know, the people that did say, and I've already gone on this rant, but this is really, you know, as both teams head into opening night tonight on this Monday night in Atlanta, right? Um, as, as both teams will take the podiums and be asked ridiculous questions and, and you might get some ridiculous answers, probably mostly out of the Rams side because you know how the Patriots do business with the media. I, I don't know how how entertaining the Patriots are going to be, but something tells me someone like Aqib Tlaib is going to be pretty interesting. That guy's just hilarious. I could listen to Aqib Tlaib talk all day, every day. Uh, so that'll be interesting. Uh, you know someone in the Rams organization, one of those Ram players is going to say something stupid. Right? They're going to be asked about, uh, you know, the the reported taping of the Rams walkthrough in 2002. Uh, leading up to February, uh, to February 3rd, 2002, Super Bowl, Super Bowl 36. Yeah, someone, someone from the Rams is probably going to say something stupid to give the Patriots more bulletable material. And, of course, all week long I told you that former Rams players are going to come up. Marshall Falk, he's going to be heard from. Kurt Warner, he's going to be heard from. Orlando Pace, he's going to be heard from. Even someone who wasn't on that team, like, you know, you know, um, Dickerson, he's going to come out. They're going to hear from him. Um, you know, I, all, this, these guys are all going to give the Patriots bulletin board material. They're going to give it to them. And the media has already given it to them. And it's those media members who gave them the bulletin material who said they'd never be here. Those media members are mad that they were wrong. Right? It's really the biggest storyline. I've already gone on this ramp, but I told you, it's the, it's the biggest storyline right now in the Super Bowl. And the media has kind of made it about themselves in a way. They really have. <laughs> like Rob Parker, Max Kellerman, uh... Stephen A. Smith was was involved in it a little bit. Not as much as Kellerman and Parker, but, uh, you know, Kellerman is bad. Rob Parker is the worst. I still think Kellerman knows what he's doing. I think he's just trolling. Much like I think Jameel Hill knows what she's doing. She's trolling, right? I put them in the same category. But Rob Parker, I think Rob Parker actually believes. I, I just think that guy's an idiot. He believes it. But um, it's a tough storyline. It really is. Patriots think they're the underdogs, and the national media thinks that's ridiculous. And the only media that thinks that's ridiculous, there's two of them. There's the types that want to just be in the news for their hot takes, and they want the attention, and they want to be relevant this Super Bowl week. And it's the media types that 
were proven wrong by the Patriots. The media types that said the Patriots were done two years ago said, you know, there was the demise and it was over. And now Patriots are still going strong. Tom Brady's saying that there's a 0% chance that this will be his last game. He's going to keep going and he's going to try to keep proving other people, these all these people wrong. And the people who were proven wrong are mad. So now they're going to come out and say, well, the underdogs, ooh, what are they? Who do they think they are? They're a two-and-a-half-point favorite. It's a top story right now. What else do we got? I mean, what else do you got? Until guys like Marshall Falk come out of the woodwork and start calling the Patriots organization cheaters again, which is going to happen the next couple days. I'll be shocked if it doesn't. Until that happens, the top storyline is the Patriots playing the role of the underdog, even though they're a two-and-a-half-point favorite in this game. I mentioned Tom Brady saying there's a 0% chance that this will be his last game. He did an interview, played over the weekend, and, you know, that should put to bed any rumors. That really, that quote right there crushes a lot of pregame conversation from people who, who need things to talk about all week long, right? Doesn't it? But now they're going to have to go with the Gronk narrative. Well, all right, Tom Brady's coming back. What does that mean about Gronk, though? You know, the worst thing for the media this week would be if Gronk tonight on opening night at Super Bowl week in Atlanta, if Gronk gets up on a podium and is asked about his future, he says, no, I'm, I'm, I'm def like Tom said, you know, I'm definitely coming back next year. Like uh, where, where's everybody going to go then? Then they're going to need to, they're going to need Marshall Fox. They're going to need Kurt Warner. They're going to need to drive to Orlando Pace's house and get some quotes from them about how the Patriots filmed the walkthrough in 2002, even though it turned out that that story wasn't even true. But some of those guys still believe it. They keep, they've been saying it over the years. They're going to need that. The media's going to need that stuff. So Tom Brady says, he's asked, is there a chance, you know, this Super Bowl 53 will be your last game? And Tom Brady puts his hand up. He goes, 0% chance. There's a 0% chance that this Sunday, February 3rd in Atlanta, is Tom Brady's last game. Basically meaning there's a 100% chance that Tom Brady's going to be back with the Patriots next year. Which means that there's, I don't know, a uh, uh, 100% chance that the Patriots win the division, which makes them a top four seed in next year's playoffs. Okay? Which means that there's probably like, uh, seventy, a sixty-five to seventy percent chance that they get the first round by again next year, which at that point means there's like, I don't know, a ninety percent chance that they go to their ninth straight AFC Championship next year, and at that point, depending on who they play and where that game is played, there's probably like a sixty-five percent chance that the Patriots are in Super Bowl fifty-four next year. Where is Super Bowl fifty-four? I actually don't know. I don't know. Yeah, what I'll do is I'll, I'll just Google it right now real quick while I'm doing the show. Super Bowl 54. I, I Is it in Miami? I want to say it's in Miami. Uh, it is. It's in Miami. Sunday, February 2nd, 2020. Super Bowl 54 is at Hard Rock Stadium in Miami. Tom Brady's going to want to go to Miami. Right? <laughs> so, I mean, I and that was those percentages I just made up in my head. But with Brady coming back next year, that's a realistic conversation. You know, do the Patriots have a shot to get to next year's Super Bowl as well? Well, of course they do. If Brady's coming back, 
But you know that the media wanted to talk all week long about how this could possibly be Brady's last game, and Brady just squashed that. He squashed it. Absolutely squashed it. Will Gronk squash it as I'm recording this before opening night on Monday night at Super Bowl week? He hasn't squashed it yet. I don't expect Gronk to squash it, but I do expect Gronk to play for the Patriots next year. And and because he won't squash it, we're going to hear much of the same stuff. Oh, Gronk could be at WrestleMania. Oh, Gronk could go WWE. Oh, maybe Gronk will go to the new All Elite Wrestling that's been started by Cody Rhodes and the Young Bucks, right? Um, you know, you know who's funding All Elite Wrestling? Tony Khan. Huh? Tony Khan from the Jacksonville Jaguars ownership. He's funding all elite wrestling. You know, they'll put that NFL wrestling connection together. They'll talk about Hollywood. You know, The Rock and Gronk. Maybe the maybe Gronk will be in a movie. Who knows? Maybe Gronk will be in the new Ghostbusters movie coming out in 2020. Like, you're gonna you'll hear all this stuff. And it'll all be created by Gronk because Gronk will be taking pot once again in a public negotiation. All right, in a public negotiation about how he can get more money. And I'm fine with that. Good. Try to get as much money as you can. But eventually the Patriots, you know, Josh McDaniels is coming back. Brady's coming back. Obviously, Belichick's coming back. And, you know, but then there's the there's the story that people might talk about and say, well, McDaniels is coming back. Why did McDaniels last year, last minute, say no to the Indianapolis job and he's sticking around again even though he had opportunities to... Why would he come back? Do they think Belichick, do they think this is Belichick's last game? And McDaniels will take over next year? Like, you know that's going to be started. They're going to, they'll come up with something. But they can't come up with the Brady thing anymore because Brady has said 0% chance that this will be his last game on Sunday, which means 100% chance that Brady will be playing for the Patriots next year. And I'm telling you that I think there's a... 99.99999% chance that Gronk is also playing with the Patriots next year. And that there's a 100% chance that Belichick is coaching the Patriots next year. I don't think much is going to change with this team next year. I really don't. I think they'll be back. And I think the Patriots are committed to winning as much as they can with this group knowing that there's still a window of opportunity for them to get back to next year's Super Bowl, maybe to get to the Super Bowl the year after that. And and then who knows where you go. But the Patriots right now are in a Super Bowl against the Rams team that they should beat. They should beat the Rams. They should. Patriots should beat the Rams. Um, What's my pick for the game? I will tell you on Thursday. Picks, picks. The final picks, picks, we'll call it picks, pick segment of the week. I'll give you my Super Bowl winner. I'll be picking it against the spread. I'll have some prop bets for you. And um, I'm excited for it. I'm excited. Last week was a long week because we didn't have any football this weekend. But if you look into to sort of get a preview of Patriots Rams. You can go to my YouTube channel, check out the live stream simulation that we drew out there on Madden 19 over the weekend. Uh, it's it's long, but we did the entire game. Four quarters, 15-minute quarters, and uh, we played it all out. 
You know, we didn't just hit the sim button and give you stats and tell you how it went. You can actually watch to see how it went. And that's, again, on my YouTube channel. But I'll be back Thursday to give you my picks for Super Bowl 53. But, you know, I kind of teased it last week, last Monday, when I gave you my early Super Bowl thoughts, when I said, I don't think the Rams got a shot. And have I changed my mind having a week to think about those comments? No, I haven't changed my mind. I haven't. Patriots should win this game. Will I change my mind in the next couple days? We'll see what's said. Uh, I guess we'll check the injury reports. And, um, you know, I'll tell you what I think on Thursday. Those will be my, my final thoughts on the Super Bowl on Thursday's podcast. So make sure you come back and get that. But really, the top storyline right now, I think it's just Patriots think they're the underdog. And the national media thinks that's ridiculous. And me, I don't think it's so ridiculous. But the Patriots, I, I think, have every right to feel like they've been dissed, like they to feel like they've been knocked by a lot of people who said they couldn't be here in this game. And people forget they're on the record. Like everything is recorded. Everything we we know what people said. The Patriots know what people said. Patriots probably have a guy in the organization that has a job to record all this stuff that people said so that someone like Bill Belichick can use it if he needs to leading up to a big game like this. He uses bulletable material, right? We've all seen the video of Bill Belichick talking to his Patriots before that Super Bowl against the Eagles, right? Remember that Super Bowl against the Eagles? The first one where Belichick the night before the Super Bowl has the team meeting in the hotel, and he went over the Eagles parade route. He went over their Super Bowl parade route because it was released early. He went over it. He used as bulletin board material, and that's just probably one of the many things he used. So Patriots are going to use it. I think they, they actually have it this time around, and you know what? They'll have it again. If they get to this game next year, they'll have it again next year because you know that whatever happens in this game, these national media types that are coming out calling the Patriots corny, saying it's ridiculous, they're calling themselves the underdog, they're, they're all going to come out after this game and next offseason and say, eh, Brady's another year older, this is probably the year it doesn't work out. And it's all going to be on the record again that they dissed the Patriots, that they ruled the Patriots out again, and the Patriots will just once again next year commit to the underdog card. And I don't think it's ridiculous if it actually happens and it's actually there for them to take and use. And it is. And that's a top story. So, whatever else happens this week, again, I'll react on Thursday. It's a big week, Super Bowl week. And uh, I'll be right here in the Beantown USA studio all week long, not going to Atlanta. So, I'll also be keeping my eye on the NBA storylines. Other storylines, major storylines in the world of sports, even though Super Bowl is probably the biggest, especially when the Patriots are involved. But there is a huge NBA story today. On this Monday, January 28th. Huge. And that story is that Anthony Davis has requested a trade from the New Orleans Pelicans. He will not sign an extension with the Pelicans. Reportedly, Pelicans have been trying to sign him to an extension. And Anthony Davis has said no. And not only has he said no, he's requested a trade. And that is huge news. Now, 
The idea that Anthony Davis could be traded is not necessarily breaking news. I know we've talked about it a lot on this show. We've talked about it a lot in this town. How Anthony Davis cannot get traded to the Celtics this year because of what is called the Derrick Rose rule. Now, to go over it again for people who don't know, the Celtics, again, cannot have no player in the NBA. The Derrick Rose rule says no player in the NBA can have two players under Derrick Rose rule contracts on the same team at the same time. Kyrie Irving has one of these Derrick Rose extensions. It's the Rose rule extension to their rookie contracts, right? Kyrie has that Rose rule extension that was added to his rookie contract. Anthony Davis has that Rose rule extension added to his rookie contracts. They cannot be on the same team. So the Celtics right now, regardless of what is said between now and this year's trade deadline, the Celtics cannot acquire Anthony Davis right now. They can't do it. It's, it's, it's not legal under the terms of the NBA rules, CBA, uh, just league rules. Celtics cannot acquire Anthony Davis right now. Can't happen. So for anybody between now and this year's NBA trade deadline that says Celtics need to go out and trade for Anthony Davis, well, they're wasting their time. They can't do it. Now, I didn't know about this Derrick Rose rule until like two months ago. And two months ago, yeah, we were talking about Anthony Davis. People have been talking about Anthony Davis in this town with regards to a potential trade for the last two or three years. So Anthony Davis' trade talk with the Celtics isn't really breaking news. What is breaking news is that we actually get to report the inside information that Anthony Davis does actually want out of New Orleans and not only wants out, but has went to the Pelicans' front office and has requested a trade, which makes... Everything a whole lot more real, right? Like, before it was kind of like video game trade talk. Like, oh, yeah, you know, if I was playing NBA Live or NBA 2K, I would make the trade for Anthony Davis. And let me go to the ESPN trade machine and see how this works out. Like, it all seemed like a fantasy. Like, yeah, it's great to talk about it. But what if Anthony Davis actually wants to stay in New Orleans? Like, who knows what he wants, right? Well, now it becomes a whole lot more realistic. And because it becomes a whole lot more realistic here in Boston, where we've been having Anthony Davis trade talk for a couple of years already, you know, you get the wheels start to move and, and you say, all right, you can't trade for him right now. Well, there's a, there's a, but there, there is a, but right. There's an unless there. The Celtics can't trade for Anthony Davis right now unless they want to send Kyrie Irving to New Orleans. So I guess there is one way you could get Anthony Davis in a Celtics uniform between now and this year's NBA trade deadline is you could put together a trade package that included Kyrie Irving. And, you know, in a vacuum I do not want to trade Kyrie Irving. I don't. I don't want to trade Kyrie Irving. I really don't. I want to keep Kyrie Irving. His body language, things he said after games, it's a little concerning, especially where Kyrie Irving, this offseason, holds all the cards because he he can be a free agent, 
Now, I believe Kyrie is a player option. Like, if he did want to opt in for one more year with the Celtics, I believe he could do that. But he's not going to. He's going to become a free agent. Right? Kyrie's going to become a free agent. When he becomes a free agent, he holds all the cards. He owes nothing to the Celtics. Kyrie was traded to the Celtics. Kyrie's original trade list that got out there, the Celtics were not on that. Celtics were not on that trade list. People can try to say after the fact that, yeah, they were, but, I, you know, I advise, I can go back to the reports. I, I go back to the original reports on Kyrie requesting a trade from Cleveland. The Celtics were not on that list. Teams that were on that list, well, talk about a team like the Knicks. You talk about New York. You know, that's been out there for a while. You know, could Kyrie just become a free agent and say, hey, you know what? I want to be in New York City. I want to be in the Big Apple. You saw me on the big screen, Uncle Drew. You know, I have things to promote. You know, I want to be in New York City. I want to play at Madison Square Garden. I want to be the guy that brings the Knicks back. Right? I mean, you, who knows? Until he signs on that dotted line with the Celtics, Kyrie Irving has the potential to just walk away and the Celtics get nothing for him. It's possible. Now, I don't want to see that happen. I want to see Kyrie sign with the Celtics. And some people might say, well, Kyrie is just being smart by not signing with the Celtics yet because if he waits until the offseason, he can get more money under NBA CBA, the NBA's CBA laws. Kyrie can get more money if he waits until this offseason, if he waits until after the season is over to re-sign with the Celtics. He gets more money. He gets a bigger contract. He's just playing it smart. And okay, fine. I'm, yeah, absolutely. But if I'm Danny Ainge... Like, there's still a risk there. Like, unless you have illegally signed something behind the scenes, what's the only thing that is making you believe Kyrie Irving's going to re-sign you? Or Kyrie Irving's going to re-sign with you? His word? That's it? Like, so right now, you're telling me the way Kyrie Irving has reacted to some stuff this year, whether it's plays Brad Stevens has drawn up, uh, bad plays teammates have made, bad decisions teammates have made, Kyrie's body language, things he said after games that are questionable, all that stuff. You mean to tell me the only thing that the Celtics have with Kyrie, Kyrie Irving right now is his word that he'll be back and sign with the Celtics? That's it? That's the, There's still a risk there. And... You know, I, my preference would be, for right now, for the Celtics, given the CBA rules, my preference would be, forget about Anthony Davis stuff right now. Make sure you can get work out an agreement with Kyrie Irving so that the minute the season ends or the minute he becomes eligible for that larger contract, he's signing it and there's no, like, there's no questions asked. I don't know how they could do that, again, given the, the CBA laws and the CBA rules. But, like, if I'm the Celtics right now, especially knowing that Anthony Davis has requested a trade, first thing I'm doing from the Celtics is going to Kyrie. If I'm Danny Ainge, I'm going to Kyrie. I'm going to his agent. I'm saying, guys, listen, you know, we want Kyrie to be a Celtic for a long time. Like, what can we do to make sure that this happens? What can we do to make sure that there is zero risk that Kyrie walks at the end of the season? Like, if I'm Danny Ainge, I have to do that. Because if you do that and Kyrie and his agents say, eh, we don't really know, we're probably going to test free agency, then all of a sudden, 
you, Danny Ainge will have no choice but to make it a realistic possibility that he trades Kyrie Irving for Anthony Davis before February because of the other specific report that came out today, which is that not only is Anthony Davis requesting a trade from New Orleans, but Anthony Davis, he's also potentially going to end up being in a Lakers uniform this season. Because the other report, according to Woj, is that the Lakers are determined to acquire Anthony Davis in a trade before this year's trade deadline. And if I'm the Lakers, oh yeah, you got to act now. If I'm in, if I'm another team like the Knicks, the, the report, there's reports that the Knicks are going to be involved and, and are going to be trying to acquire Anthony Davis. If I'm these teams, you got to do it right now because the Celtics... You know, if they are going to re, if they do talk to Kyrie and they do know that he's coming back, and, you know, they have Kyrie go to the All Star game, Kyrie's talking to Anthony Davis, and he's like, hey, listen, not only do you have to request a trade, but you have to tell New Orleans that you want to go to the Celtics and that you're not going to, you're not going to sign an extension with anyone else because we want you to come to Boston. Like, if that's the way you're playing it for the Celtics, that's bad news for the Lakers. That's bad news for the Knicks, teams that are trying to get them. And those teams, the Lakers and the Knicks, they need to do everything that, that they can to get Anthony Davis right now. They can't wait till the offseason because if they wait till the offseason, the Celtics have a better trade package than really anyone else. They have all these young kids. They got the Memphis pick still that who knows when that's going to become unprotected. And who knows? That could be a... That, could be a great pick by what 2021 I think that's when it becomes unprotected I mean whatever the case may be the Celtics can offer New Orleans a better deal than the Lakers can a better deal than the Knicks and I think the Lakers and the Knicks and who whatever other team is going to be involved in the Anthony Davis trade talks this year they know that so they need to try to get him now but if Danny Ainge I'm telling you the first thing he needs to do is talk to Kyrie because if there's if if there's a thought that Kyrie's had enough of Stevens, he's had enough of the Stevens Gordon Hayward dynamic, you know, he's had enough of some of these young kids, um, you know, t- talking about how they got to the East Finals last year without him, you know, Kyrie is just done with it. Like if there's any any thought that those thoughts are going through Kyrie's mind. Celtics, all of a sudden, I think things get real about Celtics adding Kyrie to a trade package to get Anthony Davis right now. I don't want to see that happen, but if you lose Kyrie for nothing and the Lakers trade for Anthony Davis, then all of a sudden you're Danny Ainge and you're sitting back on your hands going, what the fuck just happened? What just happened? And I tweeted this out this morning, and this is a scary possibility, and it is a possibility. You can try to give me NBA salary cap stuff all you want. But the NBA world that I that I live in is a world in which superstars with big contracts come together. Okay? And what I think is a possibility is that the Lakers trade for Anthony Davis this year, right now. And that Kyrie Irving walks and goes to L.A. to play for the Lakers. Because if you're the Lakers and you're acquiring... You know, you're going to acquire Anthony Davis. I, I know New Orleans, they have Holiday, Drew Holiday. But wouldn't Lonzo Ball, you think, be involved in that? That trade? 
right? A couple of the young kids. Um, and people who say, well, Kyrie doesn't want to play with LeBron again. Oh, really? Kyrie just came out and told us that he called and apologized to LeBron not too long ago. And also, something that I've been telling you about, the relationship between Kyrie and LeBron the last couple years. Last year, when LeBron came to the Garden and played the Celtics, Kyrie and LeBron, they went over right after the game, they dapped, they hugged it out. You would have thought they were best friends. I am convinced, and I know the media doesn't want to hear this because it, it doesn't it doesn't match up with their agenda or, or their or their reports. I'm convinced that when Kyrie wanted out of Cleveland and and demanded his way out of Cleveland, I'm convinced that it wasn't necessarily all because him and LeBron hated each other. It wasn't. Like, I'm convinced that something else happened. I don't know what. Could have been personal. You know, you hear hear crazy rumors with professional athletes and what goes on behind the scenes with certain guys. And it... I'm convinced that there was just a reason Kyrie needed to just get out of that organization, out of that city. I don't know what happened, but I think something else happened. It wasn't all LeBron. Everybody wants to think that, oh, LeBron's the bad guy and 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 nobody wants to play with him because he's LeBron and, and um, you know, he's a prima donna. Look, he is, LeBron is a prima donna. You know, it can be nauseating at times to see the way he reacts to stuff and acts way he acts like it it can be eye rolling stuff it can but I'm convinced and I've seen the interactions between Kyrie and LeBron those are not that is not two guys who hate each other it's not and if you think it is then I don't know I mean you heard it out of Kyrie's mouth a couple weeks ago he called LeBron James to apologize he went out of his way to tell us that he called LeBron to apologize. Like, that's a good idea to tell us that. Right? Not, not that it's not a good idea to do it. Do whatever you want. If you have a, a friendship with a guy and you realize something and you call him. But to tell everybody that? I Look. If you think it's crazy that even without Anthony Davis, that Kyrie could leave and go to L.A. You saw Uncle Drew. You know what he's involved in. You, you Kyrie Irving is now on a team doing what he wanted to do, lead a team on his own. And he might be like, wow, this kind of sucks. <laughs> I'm dealing with, I'm dealing with what I was when I was in Cleveland. And wow, this is eye opening stuff to me because I must've been a real prick. So that's why I'm going to call LeBron and apologize. Not only am I going to apologize to him. Well, I got, now I'm involved in Hollywood. I might as well go play with the Lakers. I mean, you're ruling that out? I'm not ruling it out. I Obviously, I don't want to see it happen. Obviously, I hope it doesn't happen. But the NBA is a crazy place when it comes to comes to moves. And and now the, the big name is Anthony Davis. He's going to be on the move. The question is, is he going to be on the move between now and the trade deadline? Or is he going to be move, on the move in the offseason? If he's not traded before this year's trade deadline... Um, then the Celtics will have the best chance to get him. Right? And I think a team like the Lakers knows that. They know that. Magic Johnson knows that. So that's why I I don't know what their offer is going to be, but I just have this feeling Anthony Davis is not going to be available 
this offseason. I have a feeling he's getting traded to the Lakers. And he's getting traded to the Lakers this offseason. And uh, actually, my when I made predictions for 2019, at the end of 2018, I gave you a couple predictions, a handful of them. One of them was Anthony Davis is going to get traded to the Lakers this year. And if that's going to happen, it's going to be before the trade deadline. I think it's going to happen. I think Anthony Davis gets traded to the Lakers. But if I'm Danny Ainge, I know and we do want to bring this back to the Celtics. If I'm Danny Ainge, you got to have a conversation. First things first, you got to have a conversation with Kyrie Irving and his agent. It's not just, hey, Danny and Kyrie talking in a room with Brad Stevens. Nope. It's not, this doesn't involve Brad Stevens. This is Danny Ainge. This is Kyrie. This is Kyrie's agent. You got to sit down in a room and you got to work something out. Because if you get any vibe that Kyrie, whether he doesn't want to play for Stevens, he doesn't want to be involved, he thinks the Stevens Gordon Hayward dynamic is weird. Like we're hearing some of the youngest Celtics players believe it's weird. And I'll get to that in a second. There was a report over the weekend that I think. Maybe didn't get out there as much because ESPN buried the lead. I'll get to that in a minute. But, you know, maybe Kyrie doesn't want to play with Jalen Brown and Terry Rozier anymore. Um, if if you think that, if you get in a room with them, Kyrie and his agent, and you think that he doesn't want to come back, you have no choice but to talk to New Orleans and say, all right, I understand you're not going to take a Kyrie-Anthony Davis one-for-one swap because Kyrie can be a free agent. But let's talk about the package that we would give you this offseason if he was still with you. And we'll add Kyrie to it. And maybe we'll take a draft pick away or maybe we won't add that extra young player. I mean, I just think that it has to become a realistic conversation at that point if you believe Kyrie doesn't want to come back. I don't know if Kyrie doesn't want to come back. Again, I'm just... I'm, I'm, I'm putting myself in Danny Ainge's shoes. And realistically, the only way you can acquire Anthony Davis, and you know they want to, the only way you can do it before this year's trade deadline is by moving Kyrie Irving. I'm not saying I want to move Kyrie Irving. I'm saying if you think he's not going to come back, then you have no choice but to talk to New Orleans and try to get something for Kyrie Irving right now. And what better to get in return for Kyrie Irving in a trade package than Anthony Davis? And you prevent Davis from going to the Lakers. I mean, it's it's just first things first. Talk to Kyrie and his agent. What happens after that? You respond accordingly. But if you don't think he's coming back or you think there's a chance he's gone, <laughs> then you have to talk to the Pelicans right now. You do make that realistic right now because you say, all right, the Derrick Rose rule, yeah, we'll trade you Kyrie. We'll add Jalen Brown. I don't know. We'll give you we'll give you Jalen Brown, the Memphis pick, and Kyrie for Anthony Davis, and we'll do it right now. We'll do it right now. Because we don't we don't think Kyrie's coming back. If you guys can sign him, great. But we don't think he's gonna sign with us. And we can make that trade right now. You, you, we were going to give you Jalen Brown and and the Memphis pick in the offseason, but we'll give you Jalen Brown, the Memphis pick, and we'll add Kyrie Irving to it. And you'll, you'll, have Kyrie, you'll be able to sell Kyrie jerseys the rest of this year. Uh, I mean, just something to think about. 
just something to think about as we try to think how can the Celtics acquire Anthony Davis. Obviously, Kyrie maybe could be at play, like I mentioned, given those circumstances. And the Lakers, because they know the Celtics will have the best possible offer this offseason, Lakers need to make a move right now. They can't wait. I actually think Anthony Davis goes to Lakers. What do I think? What do I think actually happens? I actually think that Anthony Davis goes to the Lakers. Nothing changes with Kyrie. We'll have to wait and see in the offseason. And I, I think at that point, there will be a possibility that Kyrie goes to the Lakers with them. I believe that. I believe that's a possibility. People will laugh. They'll, they'll point to Kyrie already left LeBron once. Why would he join him again? Eh. Well, for one, they're not in Cleveland. Right? <laughs> for one, they're not in Cleveland. L.A., big difference. Big difference. And as we're hearing with Kyrie, the way he feels about LeBron, he just called and apologized to him. How how bad of terms are they on? LeBron's throwing out Snapchats and Instagram stories, singing rap songs, linking Kyrie Irving to it. So don't tell me they're not friends. They're friends. And I think they might be closer friends than anybody wants to believe. And I've been telling you that for a long time. So that's a scary thing. If the Lakers get Anthony Davis this trade deadline and they sign Kyrie Irving in the offseason, and don't tell me it's not possible with the salary cap, that you can make that ha- you can make it happen. You make it work. If the players want to make it work, the bottom line is in the NBA, if the players want to play together, they will find a way to play together. And when you have a former player running the show who wants those guys to play together, they'll all come together and find a way to play together. They will. They will. And I'm just telling you, it's a possibility. But the Anthony Davis stuff, you know, that's a big story. And when you bring it back to the Celtics, and you do try to get into Kyrie Irving's head and what he feels about this team, I think that you have to look at a story that came out over the weekend that I think was buried about Gordon Haywood. And maybe this might be actually more about Brad Stevens than anything. It really might be. This was an ESPN story that came out Saturday, uh, the day that the Celtics lost to the Golden State Warriors. Maybe I was burying the lead in the Celtics. Celtics lose to Golden State Saturday night. They failed to get the rebound attempt after Draymond Green missed two free throws in the final seconds. That was big. I also thought before that, though, Celtics had an inbound, what, underneath the basket, an offensive inbound, and... It was, what was it, like six seconds left or something? Maybe maybe a little more than that. And I, I thought it would have been a good time for the Celtics to use their final timeout and draw up a play. It was after a uh, Celtics missed a shot. Golden State looked like they had the rebound. I think Draymond Green knocked it out of bounds. All right, Celtics get a second chance. At that point, I wanted the Celtics to use their final timeout and say, hey, we have to, call, we have to do this right. We have, you know, let's, we have to do this the right way. Down to... At home, let's draw it up. They didn't. They just played it. And Marcus Morris took a shot. He missed. They had a they had an intentional foul at that point because they're down two. I just thought if they call the timeout, they get a better play. They tie the game. They don't have to intentional foul. At home, building rock, and they play some solid D to D, you go to overtime. They didn't call the timeout. They missed a shot. Draymond Green got fouled. Sure. He missed two free throws. And you should have got that rebound. They were snoozing on that rebound, and and there was a big-time miscommunication there. And that ended the game. But um, 
I really thought that Brad Stevens should have called the timeout. I really did. I thought he should have called timeout a little early in that. But anyway, Celtics lose to Golden State. It was a great game. I hope we see that matchup in the finals. I mean, when you do look at the odds right now, Golden State is the favorite to win the NBA championship at minus 250. They got Demarcus Cousins in the mix. Golden State, I do think they're going to win it all. I do think they're going to be unstoppable in the playoffs. But Golden State's minus 250. There's three teams that are tied for the second best odds to win the NBA championship. And of course, it's because they're in the East and they won't have to play Golden State Golden State before the, the finals. The three teams that have the second best odds to win the NBA championship, Celtics, the Bucks, and the Raptors, all at minus 1,000. So, I mean, Vegas thinks that it's, it's possible the Celtics and the Warriors play in the finals. I think it is too. When you get there, though, what are the Celtics going to look like? A story over the weekend on ESPN. Here's the headline, which buries the lead. This should not be the headline, but here it is. It says, this is on ESPN.com. It says, to reach their final form, the Celtics need Gordon Haywood to level up. I'll read it again. To reach their final form, the Celtics need Gordon Haywood to level up. That's the headline. It's written by Tim Bontemps. I don't know who this is. I've never heard of him. I don't know that I've ever read a story by him. I don't follow him on Twitter. I have no idea who this is, but he writes for ESPN.com. Um, and it's a, you know he's got some good insight here, so I'll give him some credit. Tim Bontemps writes a story, but I don't know who his editor is because his editor did an awful job. At if I'm the editor of this, if I'm Tim Bontemps' editor and he sends me the story, I call him back. I go, you buried the lead. And and he'd probably be like, what do you mean? It's about Gordon. It's a story about Gordon Haywood. How did I bury the lead? I say, well, don't you think maybe the story should be about Brad Stevens? And he'd be like, well, but it's not. It's about Gordon Haywood. And I say, well, it is, but it isn't. 15 paragraphs in. That's right. 15 paragraphs in. Let me read you a segment of this story about Gordon Haywood, which again, the headline reads, to reach their final form, the Celtics need Gordon Haywood to level up. 15 paragraphs in, here's what it says, ready? Quote, just chalk it up as yet another challenge for Haywood to overcome and for the Celtics to navigate as they continue to attempt to get him back to being the player who was the league's most coveted free agent less than two years ago. That status is precisely why, despite the many ups and downs this season he has gone through so far, the Celtics continue to run Haywood out there for significant minutes on a nightly basis. That decision, at times, has frustrated the younger members of the team who see Haywood as an impediment to the roles they grew accustomed to. End quote. But it's the last part that I read you That's the lead. That should be the lead. I'll read it again. Quote, That decision, at times, has frustrated the younger members of the team who see Haywood as an impediment to the roles they grew accustomed to. End quote. So the story, buried, absolutely buried, 15 paragraphs in, with a headline that doesn't even mention this, The real story in this report, or this feature, whatever you want to call it, 
is that youngest Celtics players who helped the Celtics to the East Finals, Game 7 of the East Finals last year without Gordon Hayward and Kyrie Irving, youngest Celtics players see Gordon Hayward as being someone that is getting that is in their way. Gordon Hayward is taking their minutes, is taking their roles. He's in their way. Gordon Hayward to them is somebody that, I'll read it again, is an impediment to the roles they grew accustomed to. Which basically is like youngest Celtics players are disagreeing with Brad Stevens and his use of a player that Brad Stevens obviously loves. Brad Stevens is making decisions with Gordon Hayward based on their previous relationship in college. And I told you, even before the Celtics acquired him, that I think, you know, I I was never all in on a Gordon Hayward signing. I wasn't. I questioned, is he a max player? Like, you know, he's a good piece. You know, he's... He's a guy that I, I think a lot of teams in the league would want him on your team, but is he somebody that you should really bend over backwards and and, and open up the, the checkbook for? And if you're a player on the Celtics team and you go make that move, and again, I'm honestly, I was honestly saying this before last year, before they signed him. I wasn't just, you know, giving you a knee-jerk reaction to the young kids bringing the Celtics to Game 7 of the Finals without Haywood. I wasn't. I was telling you this before. If you listen to me, you know. I, I, I questioned the Stevens-Haywood previous relationship and really how that would be, how that would be accepted by, by Celtics players that, you know, might look at any type of role Stevens give Haywood. They might look at that and say, well, is he favoring Haywood because of what, because of their relationship at college? Like, is he giving him more minutes to, like, there, there could be, when you bring Haywood to the Celtics, you opened up a jealousy factor with other players. Like you, that's, that's real life. That's human nature. I think you're seeing it with the story I just read you on ESPN. You saw it a couple weeks ago in Orlando, and I talked about that situation on this show, where at the end of a, of a two-point game on the road in the final seconds, last possession of the game, Brad Stevens is drawing up a play in which we found out Gordon Haywood was going to inbound and had a couple different options to inbound it. Brad Stevens drew up the play. Kyrie Irving throws his hands up and basically shows up Brad Stevens. He's like, what the fuck are you doing? You, there's no other option but give the ball to me. Like, look at the clock. Look at the score. Look at me. There's no other option here. And I, I told you, I actually agree with Kyrie Irving's mindset. I don't necessarily agree with showing up the coach like that and then talking about it the way he did after. But but I don't blame Kyrie Irving for wanting the ball because he should have got it. Brad Stevens draws up a play, gives Gordon Hayward this, this, this option. Yeah, there's no option there. Okay? There's no option there. But because you, you got that trust factor with Stevens and Gordon Hayward, you know, I think that's the special treatment. I think that's him favoring a player that he knows so well that had a previous relationship with. And in that moment, Kyrie Irving didn't understand it. And Gordon Haywood, it turns out, he, he didn't give it to Kyrie. He gave it to Jason Tatum. Tatum missed the shot. Kyrie Irving, not only did he show up Brad Stevens, he then showed up Gordon Haywood throwing his hands up. Then showed up Gordon Haywood throwing his hands up. And then talked about it after. I didn't agree with the way he talked about it, but it's clear that 
Ky- in my opinion, I told you then, Kyrie Irving, I mean, do you blame him for questioning the Brad Stevens-Gordon Hayward dynamic? And as we're seeing now, he's not the only one. The younger players who are seeing Hayward take their minutes, they're complaining about it. They don't understand it. They don't know why their coach wouldn't stick with them, but they know, you know, they, they don't know and they do know, right? They don't know why coach won't stick with them based on where they helped take the team without Gordon Hayward last year. But they do know at the same time why he's sticking with Gordon Hayward because of their previous relationship. Special treatment. Players don't want to see that. Younger players don't want to see it. And then that, that moment in Orlando with Kyrie Irving, he didn't want to see it either. So when I read this story by ESPN, I think they buried the lead. I think they, 15 paragraphs in, started telling us how younger Celtics players are frustrated, have become frustrated with Hayward's minutes. And they see him as an impediment to the roles they grew accustomed to. That's a problem. Don't tell me it's not a problem. And it's not just, it's not necessarily players mad at Gordon Hayward. It's the players mad at the coach. And, you know, if the players are all mad at the coach, if you're Danny Ainge, do you got another situation? Do you got another issue here? Is there a bigger issue at play? Because then you get back to the Kyrie Irving stuff. Well, how do you bring Kyrie back? How do you make sure Kyrie signs? And how do you try to figure out if you can bring him back between now and the trade deadline, now that you know that Anthony Davis has requested a trade and you know other teams like the Lake is going to try to get him right now because legally, by NBA law, they can. Like, Celtics are dealing with some stuff right now still. Okay? And and they got to get it all figured out. Because if you're Danny Ainge, like I said, I, the last thing you want is Lakers to get Anthony Davis, Kyrie to say, see ya, I'm out. And you're sitting here with a Gordon Hayward that maybe isn't playing up to the to the way he you thought he was capable of playing, a coach who is who continues to favor him because of their previous relationship, and younger players who hate seeing that because they know what they did without Gordon Hayward. Like you're sitting on an issue there, like that that could maybe be disastrous. Celtics. Like I said, they have the they have the second best odds. They're in a three three way tie with having the second best odds to win the NBA championship. So there's a lot of promise, but at the same time, there are some issues they need to sort out. And I just thought that this story over the weekend, you might not have seen it because I think ESPN buried the lead. Whoever the editor of this story was, just did an awful job. Awful job. 15 paragraphs in is the story. And the headline should probably read, Celtics players frustrated with Stevens' use of Gordon Hayward. That's the that's the story. That's the headline. That should be the lead. And that's where the... To me, you know, maybe we got something else coming. Maybe there's something else coming with this. I don't know that we've heard the end of that. Especially if Gordon Hayward plays the way he played against Golden State, which was awful. And what do you have two points and, and they stick with them, you know, and it still doesn't work out and there's still frustrations there. I mean, look, it's tough. for The Gordon Hayward thing puts 
puts Brad Stevens in a tough spot. I'm sure Brad Stevens was like, oh yeah, bring Gordon Hayward here. But I mean, I wonder if there was any part of Brad Stevens two years ago that was like, eh, this could put me in a tough spot at some point, right? Maybe it's best we stay away from this and spend our money somewhere else. I wonder if he thought that. Celtics are dealing with some stuff. It'll be interesting to see what they do. Um, Because no doubt this team has a whole lot of promise, a whole lot of potential. I can tell you the only thing I know for sure with the Celtics, the the only thing I know for sure, what I want to be for sure as well, is that Jason Tatum is untouchable to me. That's the only thing I know. Is that you, if you're a team... I don't care if you're New Orleans, give me Anthony Davis. If you, if this offseason, if, if you want Jason Tatum, you can't have him. You cannot have him. He's untouchable. I know he hasn't necessarily looked the way he looked last year, but Tatum is untouchable. You cannot have him. That's all I know. I don't know if Kyrie wants to stay or go. I don't know if the Celtics want to eventually maybe try to move Kyrie before the deadline to get Anthony Davis. I don't know if the Celtics are going to trade some younger players because there's a beef between them and Stevens over Haywood's usage. I don't know if the Celtics are going to end up trading Haywood because it's just not working out. And Danny Ainge can sense that tension in the room because of Stevens and Haywood and, and their relationship and the usage of him. I don't know. I don't know. The only thing I know is that Jason Tatum, to me, is untouchable. You cannot have him. You can't. You cannot have him. You can't have him. And so things are going to get a, a, a whole lot more interesting, I think, as the weeks go on, as we get closer to the trade deadline. And and I don't know. It's one of those things where there's smoke, there's fire. If this little piece about these youngest Celtics players and, and their frustrations with Hayward's usage, if that's buried 15 paragraphs into an ESPN story, I wonder if anybody else is going out and trying to actually get to the bottom of that. And if we see something else here in the next couple of weeks, in which somebody won't bury the lead and the story will actually be about the player's relationship right now with Brad Stevens, maybe because of his relationship with Gordon Haywood and how Gordon Haywood's season is not going well. We'll see. It's something to keep an eye out for. It really is. Um, but it'll get interesting. Whatever happens, I'll react to it on the show. And I'll close out the show. With my thoughts, there's a lot to talk about. I know it's a longer podcast than usual. Usually, cut it off after an hour. But there's a lot to there's a lot to talk about. And whenever there's a major WWE pay per view or a major wrestling storyline, I will talk about it. And on Sunday night, I watched the Royal Rumble. And in the Royal Rumble, we saw. And this is, by the way, spoiler for anybody who has not watched the Royal Rumble yet, I will be giving a couple results and reacting to it. I'm giving you my reaction to the to the pay-per-view. So, a spoiler, if you haven't watched the Royal Rumble and you're going to watch it, you know, stop listening now and come back and listen after you watch it. Because my reaction includes some spoilers. So, with that said, I've given you enough time to make your decision. My reaction to the Royal Rumble, I have some bullet points here. I got five of them. Five of them. Top five, we'll call it top five takeaways from the Royal Rumble. Number one, it was too long. The event was too long. Way too long. Five hours. 
The main Royal Rumble pay-per-view began at 7 o'clock. 7, 8, 8, 9, 9, 10, 10, 11, 11, 12. It ended at midnight. Five hours too long. Too long. Now, if you factor in the pre-show, the kickoff show, which had real matches that actually one of the matches factored into one of the biggest moments of the night with the Women's Royal Rumble and Lana getting hurt in the Rusev-Nakamura match. And because Lana was hurt, she's limping down to the ring. And when she limps down to the ring, guess what happens? She's hurt. She can't go. Becky Lynch comes out. Becky Lynch, who had lost to Asuka in the first match of the night on the main show for the Raw, the, excuse me, the SmackDown champ, Women's Championship. So you knew then that there was something in store for Becky Lynch. She taps to Asuka the first match of the night. You're like, eh, why are they putting them first match of the night? And then they have her tap for somebody that they were going to pump up to face Ronda Rousey at WrestleMania. What? Why are they making her? Why are they having her tap to Asuka? That's not a good look. But because they had her tap to Asuka in the first match of the night, you're thinking they have big plans for Becky Lynch tonight. And so Lana, who was hurt in the kickoff show, limping down to the Women's Royal Rumble, she can't go. Becky Lynch comes out of nowhere and says, "I'll go for her." They have Becky Lynch going. Becky Lynch eliminates Charlotte. Becky Lynch wins the Women's Royal Rumble which sets us up for Becky Lynch versus Ronda Rousey at WrestleMania. I'll get to that. But my point is, the event was too long. They did have some stuff factor in to the biggest parts of the night from the kickoff show. So if you add the kickoff show to it, that's a seven-hour show. It's a seven-hour event. Who the fuck is watching that thing for seven hours? Are you kidding me? I like the major events in pro wrestling. I love the Royal Rumble. But seven hours of it? Come on. No, thank you. Not for me. I don't know who it's for. Seven hours a lot. I mean, I only wa- I started watching at seven. Seven o'clock. I got five hours of it. That's too long. Five hours is too long. Never mind, seven. I was falling asleep during the men's pay-per-view. Excuse me, the men's Royal Rumble. That was the final thing of the night, the men's Royal Rumble. I was falling asleep during that. Just too long. So that's number one. The event was too long. Number two, there were no surprises. I actually have praised WWE over the last calendar year. And I've told you that they have brought back the element of surprise. Like last year's WrestleMania, nobody thought Roman Reigns was going to lose that match to Brock Lesnar. Everybody thought Roman Reigns is winning the title. He didn't. Lesnar retained the title and won. That was that was a surprise. I praised WWE for that, but there were no surprises, none. Again, you go to the first match. Becky taps out to Oscar. All right. That wasn't really a surprise, especially when you have it the first match of the night, because you're thinking, and I told you that was going to happen, and that Becky would then come and be a part of the Rumble and win that, and sets her up for a match with Ronda. Ronda Rousey, Becky versus Ronda at WrestleMania. Yeah. I mean, that one I'm not as upset with because there's really nothing else you can do. If you want Becky to fight Ronda Rousey at WrestleMania and you want to kind of hold off on it until WrestleMania, this was really the only road to go down. I do think one thing to keep an eye out for is it could turn into a triple threat because I think with Charlotte Flair, the storyline will now be Charlotte Flair will argue 
that Becky Lynch wasn't even supposed to be in the Rumble. And since they were the final two left, you know, Charlotte will say, I actually was the winner. Right? I was the winner. They'll pull out some rule that nobody can be replaced at the last minute or it wasn't official. And then somebody will come out, the, the general manager, and or Vince McMahon will come out and he'll say, you know what? You'll bo- I understand both these sides. You'll both be in it. You'll both fight Ronda Rousey at WrestleMania. It'll be a triple threat at the main event at MetLife. Ronda, Becky, and Charlotte. I think that's what's going to happen. And you might say, well, that's not a surprise. Well, yeah, but that's the only way they can do it. I don't need to see Charlotte Flair in that match. Like, I think it should just be Becky and Ronda. I hope it's just Becky and Ronda. But I feel like that's the way they're going to go down, throw Charlotte in there somehow. Like, that's their tip of the cap to the Flair family. Um, You know, I think the original plans were probably Charlotte, Ronda at WrestleMania, and then you had Becky Lynch sort of come out of nowhere and become the man, as she calls herself, and and is the big, arguably the biggest story in the world of professional wrestling. So you, all of a sudden, you got to put her in it. I think they'll add Charlotte. I, I actually hope they don't. I hope it's just Becky Ronda. But that was none of it. None of that was a surprise. So yeah, no surprises at the Royal Rumble. Brock Lesnar beats Finn Balor. No surprise there. We all knew Lesnar was going to win. Seth Rollins wins. The men's Royal Rumble, no surprise there. He was the favorite in Vegas to win it. And yeah, there were odds. And for the second straight year, I, I, I don't know if it's the third straight year, but for the second straight year, the actual favorite in Vegas to win the men's Royal Rumble actually won it. Um, last year, Shinsuke Nakamura was the favorite. He won it. This year, Seth Rollins is the favorite. He won it, which sets us up for Rollins-Lesnar at WrestleMania. Right? And I, I do think... You're going to see Rollins beat Lesnar for the championship at WrestleMania. And I think that's the reason you added Finn Balor into this storyline right now the way you did. Because that's going to lead us to a SummerSlam. Finn Balor, Seth Rollins for the Universal Championship, which will be a rematch from the first ever Universal Championship match, the inaugural Universal Championship match between... The demon Finn Balor and Seth Rollins in which Balor won it but got injured during the match and had to forfeit it the next night. And which was just a crazy, a crazy way to begin the history of the Universal Championship. But I think they're setting us up for SummerSlam, Rollins versus Balor. So, that's predictable. That's overly predictable. I just gave you, we're not even at WrestleMania yet. I just gave you the main event at SummerSlam in August. So, is that a good a good thing? I don't know. I don't know. They could surprise us and just keep the strap on Lesnar. They could. I actually would love to see that because that would be a surprise. But no surprises. And I, I told you during the intro, no Kenny Omega. I don't think he's going to go. I think that would have been the time, right? That would have been the time. The Royal Rumble, Kenny Omega to come out. His contract's going to be up. Eh. So it looks like Kenny Omega will probably go to All Elite Wrestling. So no surprise with Kenny Omega. What was the surprise? Was there anything? Was anybody surprised with anything at the Royal Rumble? 
I mean, Nia Jax as a female superstar in WWE entered the men's Royal Rumble and she actually, she got hit with an RKO. She got hit with a super kick. She got beat up by the men in the men's Royal Rumble. Um, <laughs> so maybe that was a surprise to see. But when you talk about the major storylines, like there were no surprises. You know, we didn't see John Cena. We didn't see The Undertaker. What's their role for WrestleMania? There wasn't a single surprise at Royal Rumble. And that's not a good thing for WWE. You got to keep us guessing. You got to keep us on, on our toes. You can't be leaking everything to the, to the, to the chat rooms online and the, the insiders. You can't be leaking everything because we all know what's going to happen. So that's number two, no surprises. Number three, the, and you talk about like all the main events and all the matches that you have. Number three on my list, the WWE championship is nearly irrelevant right now. It's, it's, it's only a matter of time. So they have the WWE championship match on the kickoff show. Like that's, that's where I feel they're at with that title. Um, you had AJ Styles lose to the champ, Daniel Bryan, the, uh, here's the surprise then. Let me, let me, here was the only surprise. Not the result of that match. I don't think anybody thought Daniel Bryan was going to lose. The only surprise of the night was the way Daniel Bryan won, which was with Eric Rowan from the... He's the Bludgeon Brothers, right? One half of the Bludgeon Brothers? Wasn't dressed as a Bludgeon Brother. Was dressed as Daniel Bryan would be dressed. Eric Rowan comes down. I don't even know why they chose him. And he he costs, while the ref gets knocked out, he ends up costing AJ Styles the match. And afterwards, Eric Rowan and Daniel Bryan beat AJ Styles up and they, they walk out together smiling. So it looks like the only surprise of the night, you have a new stable, a new group, a new tag team, Daniel Bryan and Eric Rowan. I have no idea where they come up with this. But here's what I think. Here's where I think they're going. I do think they're setting us up. AJ Styles needs to rally the troops. You know, they had him. They had a storyline a couple weeks ago where AJ Styles is with Vince McMahon. And Vince McMahon wants AJ Styles to, you know, show us his, his inner pit bull. You know, he wants, wants him to show him that side again. And AJ Styles clocked Vince McMahon. You know, that storyline. I told you, it felt to me like they want to see not only the fire from AJ Styles, but they want to see him like, they want to see maybe AJ Styles, the bad boy from New Japan. Like, they want to see that side of him. And uh, it might be tough because people love Styles. But, you know, they want to see Bullet Club. And you get, now you get into like the battle with AEW and those guys. You and, and there was a tweet this morning I read from Bad Boy Tamatonga in New Japan, part of the Bullet Club, where he tweets at Styles and Bala, former Bullet Club members, and calls them the Good Brothers, and he gives them the little Too Sweet logo. Both Styles and Finn Bala give the Too Sweet logo. Like, 
Is WWE setting us up for AJ Styles to rally the troops? He needs backup. He creates a stable of his own. Like, is that is that where we're going? I hope so. That'd be cool. And maybe that's where Omega gets involved. I don't know. Here's where I think it could get interesting. What if New Japan Pro doesn't want to work with All Elite Wrestling? What if New Japan Pro wants to work with WWE? Are you ruling that out? Like, if I'm WWE and I want to battle with... We're obviously going to be in a battle with AEW. Am I working with New Japan Pro? And if you work with New Japan Pro, are you getting Bullet Club? You might. You might. And then you might get Kenny Omega. See, that's where, like... That's the only thing I saw last night and my mind gets working and I'm like, wow, they could surprise us with some shit now with this storyline. Like, that's the only thing. The way the Styles-Daniel Bryan match ended, like, where are we going? And you dig a little deeper, like, where the industry's at, who's working with who, you know, I, I just think they're setting AJ Styles up to rally the troops. He needs backup. And if he rallies the troops and needs backup, he's obviously gonna go Bullet Club style. Whether they call it Bullet Club or not, they're gonna go somewhere with that, I think. And I hope, I hope, because that would be cool. That would be cool. It's time to have, like, a stable or a group of guys. And I know you say, well, the Shield, ah, the Shield. You want me to be honest about the Shield? They never did it for me. Like, I, there was always something about the Shield that was forced upon us in a way that, that it did, it never really got over with me. It never really got me overly excited. You know, I never, I don't compare the Shield to like DX or NWO. I just don't. It just never, they never did it for me. Bullet Club, man, if they're going to work that in somehow, whether they call it that or not, that would be cool. But that was the only surprise, the way the Daniel Bryan, AJ Styles match ended, the way it ended with Eric Rowan. And I start to think where they're going with that. And that's the only intriguing thing that I'm seeing right now. That could be a surprise. And I guess that brings us to number four, which are the WrestleMania main events are set. We now know. Seth Rollins versus Brock Lesnar. And Becky versus Ronda, though we could also see Charlotte thrown in there. And when it comes to Rollins-Lesnar, you know, here's a way I think they could surprise us is if they have Rollins turn into the bad guy again by having Triple H help him win the title. Right? Triple H helps Rollins win the title. Then all of a sudden you go back to the storyline and it seems like they forgot about. It seems like they have just, you know, they want us to completely forget about the time in Seth Rollins' career where he was actually at his best as a heel working with the authority. That's when Seth Rollins was at his best. When he's a heel. When he's a bad guy. When he's working with Triple H. And Vince McMahon, like, those are things that if you if you get back to that storyline and that's Seth Rollins, then you got me hooked on Seth Rollins again. Right now, I'm like, eh, not really. So that's something to keep an eye out for. But we know the WrestleMania main events is set. We know they're set. And then um, number five, I think... And this is really combining some of the things I've talked about. I think it is time to end the brand split. After what I saw last night, it's time for the WWE to get rid of the brand split forever. 
No more brand split. No more Raw Championship and SmackDown Championship. End the brand split. Unify the Universal and the WWE Championship and make it one belt. Call it the WWE Championship again. (laughs) uh, Do you want to call it the Universal WWE Championship? All right, fine. Unify them. Give us one main champion. Do the same thing with the women. The Raw women's title, the SmackDown women's title, unify them. And the brand split. The tag team titles. The Raw tag team champions. The SmackDown tag team champions, who who is now uh, The Miz and Shane McMahon. Unify the tag team titles. If you wanted to unify the U.S. title and the Intercontinental title and just call it the Intercontinental title again, unify them. Just have an Intercontinental championship. We don't need the U.S. championship. So, it's time to end the brand split, not just for the championships, but also the time of the event. I mean, let's face it. The reason why this thing was so long is because you did have to have a WWE championship match and a Universal championship match to go along with the now two different Royal Rumble matches. Right? That's another... The two women's championship matches to go along with those. Like... That's another reason why this stuff's so long. So, I mean, it's time to end the brand split. That's my final takeaway. Those are my final thoughts. One, it's too long. Two, there were no surprises. Three, the WWE Championship, they're making it nearly irrelevant. Four, WrestleMania, the main events are set. And five, it is time to end the brand split. Those are my... Five thoughts and takeaways from the Royal Rumble on Sunday night. Uh, I think what could have been a really good event was watered down because of the length and the lack of surprises. I will give the Royal Rumble last night a C plus. I'll give it a C plus. C plus. All right. So those are my thoughts on the Royal Rumble. That's my thoughts on all the major stories that I have as I recorded this podcast today on Monday, January 28th. I will be back on Thursday, and Thursday will be my final show before Super Bowl 53. We'll go over all the storylines that we have to that point. Anything that's said this week uh, to the media down in Atlanta, I'll react to it. Um, Any other stories that get out there in the world of sports that happen? Uh, Bryce Hopper? Machado? Where are we with them? Remember when the Major League Baseball offseason used to be something? It's nothing now. It sucks now. Man. But anything that happens in the world of sports, especially with Super Bowl 53, I'll react to it on Thursday, as well as my final pick, picks pick for Super Bowl 53, and we'll go over some props as well. Get this show whenever you want at Podcast One, also on iTunes and Spotify. Subscribe to my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Danny Picard. I am out. Enjoy the rest of your week, everybody. Talk to you on Thursday. Thursday.